Perak Yud Mishnah Beis. Netlu Mochsen Es Chamayrei. Venesnu Chamaracher. What happens if these tax collectors, these crooked tax collectors, they come and they collect your donkey, and they give you a different donkey instead? So we can safely assume the donkey you're receiving must have been a stolen donkey because these tax collectors are a bunch of crooks. Or, if thieves stole your garment and they gave you a different garment in its stead. So of course you can safely assume that what you're receiving is a stolen item. So even though the chamar you're receiving, the ksus that you're receiving from these from the mochas, from the from the thieves, are stolen items. How you behold, you can keep it. Because the original owners are miyayish, they give up hope from ever retrieving them. And since you received them in exchange for your donkey or for your garment, we view that as a mechir, as a sale. It comes out that you're acquiring it now with yish and shinoi rishus, with the original owners giving up hope, and with the change of domain, it's a proper acquisition, and now it's yours, you can keep it. Even though it's technically a stolen item, you acquired it now. But nevertheless, in who chassid, if this fellow is a chassid and he wants to be strict on himself, he doesn't want to have anything that's not going to be his. He could take it from the tax collector or from the thief. But then go out and search for the original owners and go ahead and return it. That would be beyond the letter of the law. One who saves from a river, meaning your friend's item is about to be washed away by the river and you save it. Or from troops, there's an army going through town, and you save your friend's item from these troops. Or from thieves, in any of these scenarios. If the owners were Miyayish, you know they gave up hope of ever retrieving these items. You can keep it, you can acquire it through Yish. But if you don't know whether they were Miyayish or not, then of course, you're obligated to return it. And the Gemara differentiates between Meaning, if you're saving it from the hands of Jewish thieves, so even if you don't know whether the owner was Miyayish or not, you can keep it. Because in general, the owner will be Miyayish in this scenario. However, if you know that the owner was not Miyayish, of course, you're obligated to return it. Whereas one who saves from the hands of a Gaisha thief, you're obligated to return it, because in general, the owners will not be Miyayish. But if you know that the owners were Miyayish, of course, then you can keep it. And what's the reason? Why do we differentiate between Gaisha thieves and Jewish thieves? By the Gaisha thieves, why don't we say that Minastam in general, the owners are Miyayish? Because because the owners know in the Gaisha court, they'll return from the hands of the thief, but just by estimating that there was a that there was one that was stolen from over here. Even if you don't have witnesses, and you don't have a clear testimony, and the guy is a court, they'll take it away from the thief and give it to the other guy who says it was his. You don't have to have such a clear-cut raya. So therefore, the owners are never going to be miyayish. However, but listing yourself by the Jewish thieves, so since by the Dayana you saw by the Beisdin, ain't moti and mama, we don't take out money even from a thief unless we have clear-cut evidence with real testimony and, and clear-cut evidence. So therefore, since it's so much harder to obtain that ev- evidence, minastam in general, the owners will be miyayish, and that's why you'll be able to keep uh, those items. So the Farshim points out an important differentiation between the logic 
behind an item stolen by a guy or an item or an item stolen by a Jew, what the nigza, what the one, what the one that it was stolen from, is thinking and what his you know um, expressions will be. So to a swarm of bees that leaves the hive and it goes from one person's field to another person's field. So it enters now into your field. Can you keep these, this, this swarm of bees? Use it for the honey or whatever you want to do with them? So it depends. And this If you know the owner was Miyayish from ever retrieving them, you can keep them. And the mission is coming to teach us, even though there's no acquisition to a person, only rather on a rabbinic level you can make an acquisition. On a Torah level, you're not making the acquisition. Nevertheless, only if the owners were Miyayish, you can keep it. As long as you don't know whether they're Miyayish or not, then they're not yours, you can't keep them. This a woman or a child is believed to say, from here, the uh, swarm of bees left, and therefore, whoever has a swarm in their domain is obligated to, to return it to the original owners. Even though a woman and a katan are not kosher to testify for testimony, since the acquisition of acquiring this swarm of bees is only on a, is only on a rabbinic level, we believe them and we make the one that found it return it to its original owner. Now the one who had lost these bees, he's permitted to enter into his friend's domain. He could go inside and, uh, and retrieve his, his, his swarm of bees. So basically, he can go inside and do what he's got to do to retrieve his bees. It's not a problem. He's not considered like he's breaking in. He's not trespassing. He's got to retrieve his bees. However, if as he's going, he causes damage to his friends, if as he's going to retrieve his bees, he causes damage to his friend's field, of course, Mishal and will be obligated to pay to the field owner for the damage that he caused. But he can't go ahead and start breaking off a branch in order to get the bees. You know, if the bees are all, are all huddled on one branch, he can't break off that branch to bring it into his domain. That would be forbidden. Um, you know, even if he sets himself on condition that I'll pay him, I'll pay him for the branch. I'll pay him for the branch. No, it doesn't work. You can't start breaking off branches and bringing them into your domain, even if the bees are on it. And even if you'll tell yourself you'll compensate this fellow that you're in his field. You could cut the branches and pay him for it. There's a tenai beizden, like a precondition of beizden. That a person is going to, down to his friend's field and cut off the branches of his friend's trees to save his swarm of bees. And then the nizik, the damage he will simply take uh, the value that he's missing now, the mesochal mitoch from the actual swarm of bees to be compensated. Shalmanaskin hinchli Yeshua on this condition, Yeshua gave the Eretz uh, Yisrael to the Jewish people. The people can do this and let us be compensated accordingly. Uh, the Mishnah concludes that the Lacha does not follow like Rabbi Yeshmo. All right, a Mishnah Gimel, Hamakar Kelav Usfarav Biyad Achir. One who recognizes, you know, for example, Reuven, he sees that his kalim, his utensils, and his firm, his, 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 his books, are in the hands of Shimon. So he goes ahead, he brings witnesses that these items belong to him, to Reuven. Vitoin Reuven, Reuven claims that they were stolen from me. I've been looking at them for months. You know, I never gave a pope, I was not Mayayish. And Shimon says, well, what's going on over here? I bought them in the marketplace, leave me alone. 
So it says the mission of If before Reuben found them by Shimon, a voice, a call went out in the city that they were stolen from him. So then Shimon would then go ahead and swear because Shimon was claiming that he bought it in the marketplace. So Yeshava Shimon, Shimon will swear on how much he paid for it. And he'll make Reuven then pay that amount to Shimon to compensate him. And then he'll give back the, the Kalim. You want your stuff? I'll give it to you. But, pay, but I, I shouldn't have to lose. And Reuven will have to pay him for it. And the Gemara explains, Technically, to the letter of the law, Reuven can just take them. Without paying for it. It's his stuff. What happened with Shimon? He bought them from a Ganev. And he bought them from a Ganev before the owner was married, before the owner ever gave a Pope. So it comes out, he never made an acquisition, he never acquired them. So Shimon's at a loss. But nevertheless, they made a takanas hashuk. They didn't want people to be afraid from ever going to the marketplace. Look at Shimon. If he's going to have to give back this stuff and not get compensated, why would he ever want to buy, every, why would he ever want to buy anything from the marketplace? Maybe everything's stolen over there. So for the Takana, the Shuk, Shakal, Keach, Tavar, Bishuk, but for Hesya, for the other Shinignaf, if a person buys something in the marketplace openly, he doesn't know it was stolen. Af, Apish, Nadolo, Achach, even though he was notified afterwards that what you bought is a stolen item, in a Machas, Nadolo, Bailam, Elabadabim, he'll return it, but he could be compensated in order that people should be encouraged to, to continue their business in the marketplace. In Cain of Warsh, we're talking about a case where Reuven, who Balabayas, He's a balabaya she'ena asilim karkelev. He doesn't normally sell his kelim. Since this call went out that there's a geneva in the city, he's got witnesses testifying that the kelim are his. We're not concerned Shimon Melchim Reuven lest Reuven had sold them. Now if Shalom Yatzah called, you don't have this voice that went out in the city that these kelim were stolen from him. Then call him Manu. Then Reuven's got nothing. Ain Reuven Naman, he's not believed to say that the Kalim are his. Shani Omer, because I can say, Machalachir, you know, Reuven sold them to somebody else. There was pressing times, he sold them. And now, Lachan Zahimenu, and Shimon bought it from that other guy. Uh, and now Reuven, he regrets, he's trying to get it back. But now Reuven will have no claim, and Shimon will not have to give it back to him in this scenario.